What's up, everybody? We are back with another episode of the EX Performance Podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined by the beautiful Jeremy Kane, the young fit stud over here, and then obviously the man, the myth, the legend, my brother from a brother, another mother, uh, Dan Skidmore. And so Dan is joining us uh, by way of Zoom meeting all the way over in Morocco. So what's up, Dan? How you doing, man? I'm doing excellent, man. I'm happy to be on the podcast with you guys. Find it great to great to see the, some smiling faces again. Yeah, man. And and for the audience that might not know it, like Dan and I go way back. I think we met in like 13 or 14 at regionals. Then we did a bunch of uh, deployments together to uh, foreign lands. We'll just say that. Got a lot of yeah. good memories on both both ends. Um, and then what I would say personally is like uh, co-wrote one of the first and I think like flagship programs for EAX, which was Clang and Bang. And so, um, so as I remember it, uh, you know, we were at the 2013 regionals and uh, and I was just getting through like uh, green team. Right. Yeah. was kind of like finishing up a, tra- a long training cycle and I, and I didn't necessarily know where I was going to end up and then all of a sudden this handsome dude came up to me that was on the <laughs> team and I was like, who's this jack dude? You don't got to talk about me like that. <laughs> Jeremy was still like in middle school at that point. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, I thought I was fit at the time and Chris was obviously like jacked and tan and, uh, oh, and so we just started talking and I, and I was like, hey, I guess like we're going to start working together. And, uh, and then I showed up maybe like the next, next month, next two months. And, uh, and from then on, like, you know, it was commando training and, uh, and I was like always in Chris's back pocket of like following around, trying to do all the right things, fitness. And we just started like rapping together and competing. And I, I think like some of the, my fondest memories were the, uh, the water obstacle course we went to that day. Oh dude, that was a blast. Yeah. I dude, forgot and, about and, that like, one. And, and, and from little moments like that, you know, that is like the baseline of the bro friendship right of like man these guys we're all putting out we're growing together and then uh and then 2015 kicks off and you know next thing we find out we're next to each we're sleeping next to each other i'm snoring and you're like doing whatever you do and, uh, <laughs> and you're <laughs> and we're clanging and banging that's in it man little garage, right and uh doing this stupid squat deadlift and press cycle oh and I actually it was like the first time I'd actually had like a program that we were sticking to. Um, and, and that experience, those couple of months that we spent together, like side by side, both learning, right. Cause I think we weren't doing that before, um, or to nearly to the extent that we are now. Uh, but man, those are like critical times, right? Absolutely, man. And like, I was just telling Jeremy before we jumped on, I wish you would have caught it on here. I was like, the, the reason, you know, I consider that around the time I was in the best shape of my life was because of the bro sessions, but also just the balance that we brought. Like right. for the audience, right. for Jeremy, like Dan brings an intensity and a just do your freaking work mindset that I honestly, like admittedly would try and biohack my way around. Nowadays I joke about it because I'm like, trying to find some perfect programming set and rep scheme and he's like hey douche just put in the work like get in there and grind don't drop the barbell pick the thing back up let's go quit trying to the, the quit trying to pace this thing and i'm like you right you right the first time <laughs> first time i met you dan was when i popped into the east over there and yeah. you're just like who's this i'm like oh like i'm i'm chris's boy over in in west end and then we worked out and you're like 
three sets of ten reverse hyper and like I did it and you're like go heavier nope just go heavier just just go heavier just keep working harder <laughs> so that was and, and, and so I, I credit that whole cycle the reverse hyper stuff and like getting introduced to that so when we first showed up to our first little like um, garage gym that we had that Chris and I had um, we had like nothing right it was totally like it was Rouge Fitness and in fact Joe yeah. Romeo wrote Rouge Fitness Rouge Fitness and Marker and and, and so then Chris made this huge purchase order and it was like, man, we're going to stack this gym and have a sick setup. And he purposely bought a reverse hyper. And so as soon as I saw it, I was like, dude, what? like, all right, deployment time is a great time to experiment with things. And so I was super dedicated to it and, um, and man, did things that I necessarily, I wouldn't have necessarily done uh, in the gym. But it shot all my numbers up. And so, so that for, since then, I've been a huge zealot. In fact, this morning, like, I was putting together my new reverse hyper because I had to bring one to Morocco. And yeah. we got the donkey. And it's so sick. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an integrated GHD uh, with a reverse hyper setup. It's incredible. I've seen it, man. I've never tried it. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I've looked at it. I've seen some stuff somewhere. Um, yeah, pretty pretty wild. Um, yeah. but, th but that's a good segue, man, because like, obviously that was like 13, 14, that was some deployment stuff. Both you and I, you know, have grown in the way that we are, our athletes. One, we are, I'd say our focus shifted, you know, life, job things. Um, you know, neither of us are really doing the competitive CrossFit stuff anymore, but we work with a lot of people who are, and obviously it, it built us into who we are. So like, you know, uh, one of the, the bigger things I think is we used a, a big conjugate influence at the time. And so... You know, I, I pay full tribute to that method. Um, but I think, you know, for our listeners, a lot of times I'll talk to athletes around here. So I know some of our listeners have it is like a, a, a misunderstanding of the conjugate method in terms of what it really is. And so what Dan and I were both coming from in terms of like competing was like high volume CrossFit style events. And we kind of had to add in something that would be functional strength. Um, but also hit the ends of that strength and speed power continuum that we weren't doing a lot. So obviously we were lifting a lot for CrossFit, but we weren't doing a lot of accommodating resistance, right? So one of the variables we would do is we do bands and chains or we do speed work. We do acceleration work to work on the sticking points in our movements. And so I know that's something I still use. We still use a lot here, right time, right place, right person. Um, but that's one of those variables with a lot of our individual athletes and even some of our gym stuff to a degree we play with. And so for the audience, what the conjugate method is, it's kind of, uh, it's a throwback to the Soviet system, really. Um, and it's training the muscle in three different ways. The only three ways you can train muscle, you've obviously got max effort method, above 85%, one to three reps, really freaking heavy. You've got the dynamic effort method, which is accommodating resistance, bands, chains, light barbell, really freaking fast. So that's training nervous system. And then the last thing we have is repetition effort, right? And a lot of us do that with our accessory work. So sets of 20, 25, all these other things, and then combining that in the right dose, right time for the right athletes. Now, what I will say is like, we're talking about evolution of training. Um, I don't know how much you guys follow like Westside Barbell. So when I first learned conjugate method, it was through like super training and some of the, the Soviet textbooks, so to speak. I saw Westside's application, saw what they were doing with sprinters, football players, and these other people. And we're like, hey, we can take some of that. So even the conjugate method we applied wasn't true conjugate, like Soviet conjugate. Yeah little bit more west side but even recently man they're changing like a lot of their um you know heavy days their max effort days are fives and eights now 
And and that wasn't something we really did. So it's more the intent of like to failure with a max effort set at the very end, um, kind of alluding to the max effort portion, not so much the one rep max every single week. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and so it all boils down to speed, right? And that's then it, man. You go into the, the max effort. Well, hey, that's what I can do for the day. And so I've looked at this and like we've. It, at the end of the day, man, it's it's methods, but we're applying principles. Absolutely. Right? So the Westside Barbell principles, uh, the conjugate principles of like where the volume is coming from, right? What I'm focusing on, and then your timing of the stimulus, because that's at the end of the day the most important thing for me. Like if I have a program, how frequently I can do these things, and there's so there's timing involved, and because everything boils down to recovery, right? Absolutely. How do I recover from a speed day? How do I recover from an endurance day? Yeah. And so I've had to I've had to model this my own training based on my evolution of an, evolution of an athlete from CrossFit to powerlifting with strongman right into endurance work, right? Yeah. Mega endurance work. Yeah, I think so, man. Like, but there's been variables that haven't necessarily changed. But we add things, we take them away, and it's a constant experiment, right? Those guys. And they, they have done all the work for us, right, with their experimentation. And I'm not one to get broken. And I think that that's one thing that they've done is, you know, you look at Louis Simmons, dude can't, like, he's broken every bone in his body, right? Literally. Guys, <laughs> yeah. Literally, right? Yeah. He's, and he's held together with, like, muscle, right? That he's built through strength and small exercises because at, at times in his life, you know, he had a broken back, right? So he developed the reverse hyper. He can't squat. Well, he's going to build something else. And so finding all of these workarounds to injuries that you have is huge for tactical athletes, huge for guys that are aging, huge for athletes that – and we have to look at it in like uh, stimulus, right? Because it's all about the training stimulus that you're getting from your days. And, uh, and so that gave us a good background, like a good foundation. And then we can modify it where we need it and learn from it and see what works and what doesn't work. And I think it's important to note, too, that that difference between the max effort and dynamic speed that you're talking about. Like when you're yeah. laying out a week, if you are using like the conjugate method, we use methods to track barbell speed. So we know that if we're working a max effort lift, we don't care if the velocity comes down on the bar path versus if it's more of a dynamic effort day, accommodating to resistance or just keeping the rep range low, we know that we can track barbell speed and if it dips below 1.3 meters per second hey we're going to heavy for dynamic effort which then leads to the training dose effect that like we're looking for yeah and i'd right. say like well, you know you start you start talking numbers and gadgets and shit and i'm just like <laughs> right <laughs> you, you lost me at pounds per square inch and like speed yeah. because i can i can only feel that right and yeah so, using, so for my my personal thing is like Okay, well, how do we train like the caveman, and we don't have that gear available? Yeah. Well, one of our one of our go tos is we were both outlaw guys. Uh, me a little bit less, and it kind of led to a lot of learn, lessons learned of like who to follow, who not to follow. But you can take principles off of that. And one of their big things, their the outlaw guys, uh, way back in like 2013, 2014, was uh, they uh, Rudy did this big long experiment about deadlifting versus doing cleans. Yep. Right. And they saw with their regular athletes a huge difference in um, speed, and and their and by training cleans instead of just deadlifting, it was actually bumping up all their numbers because that was the dynamic effort work. But nobody in CrossFit in 2014, at least in my world, was saying conjugate method, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And nobody was doing bands and chains unless you had a background of powerlifting 
and you knew about this, but we didn't, right? It was just like, hey, we're just going to snatch today or we're going to clean today. And what's that doing for you? And so without getting into like bar speed stuff, I'm looking at what my movements are, right? Is it an explosive based movement, right? Is it a like a wall ball, right? I use that for speed strength because you're driving hard out of the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's huge, man. I think like there's there's this like spectrum, right? Obviously, there's people who have all the stuff in the world. You know, back to our days when we were working out literally in in a, a flooded basement with Rouge Fitness stuff painted on. Like we had to make it work, but we we started grasping those theoretical stuff uh, concepts and applying them for real and seeing what worked and what didn't, and getting rid of what didn't. And I think that's where some folks on one end of the spectrum who are so sports science heavy and so into what's the research say are lagging behind application, right? Like they're like looking for data to prove what they're doing or not doing instead of listening to their athlete and saying, this is making me stronger, faster and and less injured. And, you know, it was pretty interesting. Like last week we had a guy on Taylor, um, national team rower competed for the U S you know, in Bulgaria, went to Olympic trials and stuff. And he was talking about always being injured, always doing these other things. And we've been working together for a while now using some of these principles and he's not injured and he can train. doesn't mean he's not getting beat up. That's part of the training process. But right now we're locked down in the Ronas. He's only got what he's got in his garage, man. So we can't do a lot of that. So we have to keep it in there. But something you touched on earlier with Louie is something like we're talking about evolution of our coaching process here. You know, recently some of the things we were doing without knowing it, I've seen termed, all right, triphasic method now. So now we're using speed, we're using max effort, repetition effort, dynamic effort, but we're adding in certain phases of pure eccentrics, right? We are building tissue tolerance. Eccentrics, one of the best things you can do to injury proof yourself, right? And, and bros used to know this back in the day with, oh, bro, we're just going to do some heavy drop drop sets and negatives and all this other stuff. They didn't know what they were doing, but they were onto something. And this is where I think, back to what I was just saying, like sometimes practice from the people who are in the field putting in the work, skin in the game, is validated by data later. And that's something I try and keep myself aware of is like, well, what's, what's the research say and all the other stuff? Hell, man, what are the best in the field doing? Like, I'll give you a good one. I'll give you a good one right now. Body tempering. Compression. My man. That's Donnie right there. Everything you were saying, because people have been saying, oh, oh, we don't have the science. What's the science behind it? We don't understand it. That's bullshit, right? You, and, and you hit it perfectly. You had the catchphrase for it. Um, man, it leads, it, it's giving you clues to why it's working. We don't necessarily know. Yeah. Donnie's, uh, Donnie's the guy that says, hey, well, nobody wants to listen to big fat Donnie Thompson. Right? <laughs> like, he, he says this, right? And like, yeah. He's got a 3,000 pound powerlifting total, so fuck you and your, and your methods that don't work, right? Right. And so he, he started this, and man, like you try, and people are scared to try new things. Because we don't have the science behind it, we don't have this. Well, can I explain to you how how compression is working? Right, mm-hmm. voodoo floss. We call it voodoo, Kelly started call it voodoo floss because it's magic, right? Yeah. We don't really know. And <laughs> yeah. now, even even ten years later, you listen to Kelly Starrett and, and we're and we're competitors now in the rough rap game. And yep. like you know, I got I got a little story about Kelly, but if we're gonna go back to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, public call out. I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so. Now, even in his verbiage, he's like, yeah, we think, right? We think it's doing this, yep. but we don't really know. And, and so as much as we don't know about the human body, um, that, that dude, Brian McKenzie, you know, the CrossFit endurance guy, they wrote that him and I think it was 
Andy Galpin. Uh, yeah, yeah. wrote a book about um, not Un- like tracking everything. Unplugged. Right? Great book. Unplugged. Right? Yep. You can't. You can't even. We don't even know how to digest these numbers. They're telling us stuff, and it's holding you back. Right? Because little things like how you wake up in the morning, your energy, whether you wake up and you're rock hard or you're like, oh, I need six cups of coffee, right? Listening to those little biomarkers in your body and being tuned into that. I got a guy that I trained. He's a super smart dude. And he starts looking at his heart rate on his on his watch. And I'm like, and, and then he starts slowing down because the numbers are telling him that he's about to have a heart attack. But he, he can go hard, right? So get rid of that, and yeah. uh, and maybe that's where we like, you know, the east side and west side, light and dark side. You know, hey, I'll be on the dark side of the force, mm-hmm. and I don't use any of those numbers, right? I'm going to use how your body's feeling, right? The stimulus of the movements, and so I and I'm not as I'm not as my brain is not as big as you guys, um, and we've always we've naturally had this like concurrent yeah. training of like school of thought, right? Yeah, we're we're on one side, and you guys are using the numbers, and it's. But I I think that's balance, bro. Like, I think that is absolutely what we have been doing since the beginning unknowingly. And that's what I was getting at at the beginning saying, like... Because I even think that we've shifted in that. I think we recently, me and Chris have kind of said, like, hey, here's the numbers. But now let's look at our athletes and say what their numbers are matching up to. So someone comes in like, oh, my whoop score, which we track, is like 70%, but they go in PR. Well, then we start looking at the other data in True Coach, like like you guys did on the east side where it's like hey what what is allowing this person to kind of keep going versus all the data metrics saying that they need to slow down for the day and that's where yeah i know like personally growth for me has been uh balancing the two in terms of using data from our athletes whoop bands some of the moxie monitors or hemoglobin monitors heart rate whatever those are giving me handrails for training Right, sure. like they're letting me know left and right limits. They're letting me know, okay, this this was expected. Like the dose of volume, intensity, exercise selection, all those other nerd things. Yeah. I hit what I needed to hit, but I try not to get my athletes to rely on them like crutches. Right. So you're talking about heart rate. I know some people as well. Oh, my heart rate's above 165 while I'm doing a really high intensity workout. I need no to stop. And they're telling one. me. They're telling me. <laughs> And I'm like, well, first off, you've got 30 to 40 beats in your heart rate monitor, you know, 15 either way. So are you at 165 or are you at 135 because you're talking to me? Yeah. Other other part of that is it's like perception of effort is going to be better than any tech thing could ever be. Yeah. And right. part of workouts, now I'm not saying we build mental toughness in workouts. Like there's, there's a bunch of other ways to do that. But knowing your limits is huge because if Jeremy and I are competing – unknown task or even in life and I know where my relative threshold is, I can kind of push my governor a little bit more. If not, if I don't ever go to that ceiling, whether it's a max effort lift, a max effort sprint, a max distance run, then I don't know my own limits and my body is naturally going to shut down performance. Yeah. Whether my whoop or whatever says says I have some left in the tank. That's we, BS. The body knows different. We can see it a lot on well then we can see it a lot when we do a simple thing like a two minute max bike um, you'll see athletes shut down and then they'll get done. And let's say we do like a, a two minute max cow bike, rest four minutes, repeat. You'll see them in that four minute rest. And all of a sudden it's their last set. So they'll go harder. And they're like, man, I could have gone harder in the first one. It's that like just self-governing system. That's not allowing them to continue to push because they think this two minutes is going to be the end of the world. So that, that is a perfect 
intro to my, my philosophy is environment is everything, right? Absolutely, when, man. When we made the most gains, it wasn't with tracking all the numbers. It was with running with a pack that is a little bit faster than you. So yep. constantly trying to shoot for one one step further, right? The, the highlight of my lifting career was when I was at, you know, deadlifting at Evolution Athletics East, uh, West Grand Opening, right? I remember it. This big, we had this big competition, and I walked in, and both of my hamstrings were totally sore and smashed, and uh, and they were like I was, I, I just wasn't in the mindset or the body set to to max effort deadlift that day. Well, then, you know, John Dill walks in, and all of his athletes walk in, and Chris Max there, and the crowd is there, right? And, <laughs> and we're like, hey, yeah, let's slap it on, let's see what, what's up today, um, and we're gonna pull heavy. And then we start lifting, and then we start lifting more. And then I know John Dill's pulled 600 pounds, and I've wanted to hit this so long, and it's been forever. Yeah, it's been in my periphery, but I've never been—I've never had the environment to set this up. Right? We've—we haven't even tried it before. We haven't even got close. Right? And so, as we're building it up, the energy is there, right? And we're all—and I—and I know that Chris is going to hit it, right? I, I've seen Chris Mack hit it. I know that John is going to hit it. So I step up and I'm like, ah, man, maybe, you know, hey, let's load it on. And, uh, and so we go for it. Right. And when that environment leads to that and, and it, and it pushes you right more than the numbers and more than the restrictor plate. Uh, but man, I look at it as like dudes, right. I'm fighting to be the alpha dog that yeah. day in the gym and whether we're best friends or not, like, man, I always want to be Chris, right. I always want to clean a little bit more. And if you ever, lift before chris you know how this is gonna go. <laughs> yo don't even play with me right uh, now dude. yes exactly bro and, and you've been you've been making this mistake for the last three years of your life because you're you're growing into it he's you're young learning the tricks of the trade but but eventually like chris is gonna throw on the kilo plates and, no so let me tell you let me plates. tell you a quick story so in my <laughs> in prep for can west i built up to where i was doing like 120 minutes of amraps right and then in between, I was just kind of doing checks on learning, as I like to call them, for like some strength work. So I'm about, I had to been like 30 to 40 minutes into these AMRAPs, and Chris is deadlifting, doing some dynamic movement with deadlifts. So he's doing a, a three rep max deadlift and then vertical jump. He's pretty much done. I think he has like one set left, and he had like 475 on the bar. In between one, like two of my AMRAPs, I had to do a three rep max deadlift, like casual, nothing like strenuous or anything like that. So I go and I put up uh, 500 and I'm 495, 495 because I just threw a weight on and I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. So I put, I pull 495 on his bar because he already had it set up and I get back into my other AMRAPs and this man is done for like 10 minutes and I'm rowing like 40 calories and I look in the back and he's throwing on two and a half. I'm like this mother. That that just leads to growth, right? That's mental growth. (laughs) Now he wants to. Now he wants to de- max again. Well, well so then it. it's interesting, right? So I give him a hard time for it, but in reality, when I was competing down in Wadapalooza at the Gauntlet, um, in the in the main event, like I think I I cleaned in front squat three twenty five, and it was like I was gonna call it right there, but then it's like, hey, let's go for three forty five. Uh, I think I failed like the second front squat or something like that, but um, that idea can kind of lead to, hey, like I won, I won, but I think. 10 points, but I could have won by 15 if it just hit that. Yeah. So, so the interesting thing, and I liken this, and I don't have a huge, well, okay, so I don't have a martial arts background. I have a violence background, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and if I look at training, 
lifting weights, exercising, like a fight. I'm not going to back down from a fight, right? I'm not going to, if I'm in the fight, I'm not going to step away until I'm done. And so on a lifting day with my friends and dudes that I like, man, we're pumping tests, right? Every, you can taste it. You can taste the environment. And so I'm not going to step away from that fight until it's hit me where I'm like, I've had enough. I don't really want to get punched in the face anymore, Chris. Um, you can have this one today, but I'm going to work harder for the next day. Right. And then, and then, and you can tell that with your buddies. It's like, man, I, I checkmate, right? That's a check. <laughs> I'm going to put you in a check multiple times. And the more times you get put in a check, the more you learn. And then you learn to avoid those positions. And then you say, Hey man, maybe I do have a little bit more in the tank, right? Maybe I can gain that. And if you go for it and you try, well, then that was an awesome isometric pull. And you yeah. just maybe missed it just a little bit, but you still got a lot out of it. But I think sometimes, too, I think the environment gets mistaken for people you work out with. So I think there's another way to look at environment as just people that are going to hold you accountable. So, like, yeah. I know for me right now, 90% of my training is done by myself. Um, right. Just with the position I hold with the AX and just my schedule. I'm A lot of times I'm working out by myself. Um, but I think when I see people like Chris walking around the gym or we have other athletes, if I have my individual athletes in here, like I know that like they are holding me to a standard. So I think it was a couple Saturdays ago I did King Kong and like Chris wasn't doing it, but it's just a simple fact of like he knows what it is and he knows if I'm bullshitting or not or like actually going. And then it's just kind of that environment of like, I hate to say letting people down, but like also like letting people down. Like you're you're dogging it. You're not giving your hundred percent effort. And there's people that one get programming from me, or two like believe in me when I go to Can West Sanctionals or these things. So it's like, how am I gonna feel if I like dog it? And I think that accountability so, factor. You, you hit that man, and and if I can like the accountability, we cannot forget this, right? I uh, I've been posting a lot of daily inspiration stuff or just like mindset or just cadre ds right he's become my go ruck personality um it which is like you know just a separate facebook page and it's been awesome uh but i was talking the other day and i said hey well the three the abcs of austere training right we're we're all in an austere training environment right now this feels more like deployed life than anything else it does man i want to arm guys I want to arm guys with the with the ABCs of it because it's got to be simple, right? So I looked at accountability, right? You got to be accountable to yourself, your energy, your team, your mission, right? And so if if your coach your coach is your is your teammate, um, but you're accountable to yourself and your energy, and so if you take that accountability, you can drive you every day. And then using guys like man, Chris posts a workout, Shane Knight, that Shane Day posts a workout. I'm gonna hit those. I want to know what your King Kong score was because I'm gonna go hit it. As soon as I'm fresh, right? And I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna chase that down. Yeah. And we're gonna compete. That's accountability, right? And then and the B and C, you know, they they play huge into it too. Um, but man, accountability is hugely important. Yeah, and I I think you know, kind of like what's interesting for us, we're all coaches and we're all athletes to some degree, and we all have a very physical, a physical or physicality aspect to everything we do currently. Still, right? Military, um, you know, go ruck. Doesn't matter what you're doing. But I think that's where um, sometimes it can go off the rails. So what I mean by that is like you and I, when we were doing a lot of our our working out together and even like the initial um, building of like some of our initial first programs, I think it was a good balance because I would try and over game and overestimate and do all these other things. You would apply application like reality, like, nope, we can do more. Let's do this. But we held each other accountable sometimes 
to not go full stupid. And that's where I think there's a difference between training and testing, right? So a lot of times right now we're talking about um, going big on these events and other stuff. Other days, like the, the power of the environment is someone saying, dude, you don't have it. You look flat. You look whatever. When I pop my Be rib smart out. about it. He popped his rib out front squat not too long ago. Was still going to try and work out after. I'm like, why, man? Your sanctional is postponed for now. We don't know if it's going to happen. Now's not the time. Give me that on the competition floor. I need you to have it. I need you to have that gear. We can't program that out of you by quote unquote perfect programming. And you're never afraid to push your threshold. But at the same time, like now's not the time and place. I know there was a few times like working out with you um, before we were doing some, some stupid things. And it's like, hey, shut it down. It's not there. And then other times it was like, I, I can specifically remember my PR on uh, Grace was with Dan. Dan was standing in my face. I did 27 unbroken. Grip was starting to fail. I dropped it. Dan got in my face. Pick up the damn bar. Let's go. And that was my PR grace. Like lifetime PR on grace. That wouldn't happen by myself. That. I remember that. We both went unbroken on it like face to knee. Yeah, we were, we were literally face to face about three feet away. <laughs> he held all 30 and I bitched out once he finished. So, <laughs> you know, that's the other mental piece. I love that training versus testing. And you're going to have bad days. And that, back to our original talk of uh, conjugate method, is that max effort day. It's not lifetime PRs all the time. That is an unrealistic goal mm -hmm. that you're going to set. And so you can't fall in love with these numbers. But what you can't fall in love with is your own self, uh, your, your self-regulator, right? Hey, man, that was what I had for the day. And you know how to regulate that. That's the concept of auto-regulation is I'm going to go in, and this is what I got for the day, and then I'm going to put in the work after that. So we look mm -hmm. at continuing on with the conjugate thing. We look at the 20%, 80% rule, right? 20% of my volume is going to come from my main lifts. Call it front squats, right? Jeremy's hitting his front squats for the day, and he says, man, oh, fuck, I just blew a rib out uh, front squatting. Well, his front squat effort is done for the day, mm -hmm. and maybe it's done for a couple of days, but that was, that was a big lift, right? Yeah, huge. Well, how do we continue? How do we continue to get volume on top of that? If you're not legit injured, but it was just like a little strain or a little pull, or that I'm not going to miss any because I don't want to code failure, right? I'm going to stay within my goals. And then when I do try to PR, I'm going to take my five pounds and I'm going to go work on something different. Yep. But mixing that up besides like that volume load is we can use these things and then hit, hit my stimulus and then move on. Show myself, test it, that I'm, I'm still strong, right? That, that's my metric that I'm using, and then I'm gonna go put in the work mm -hmm. afterwards, so I can grow for the next cycle, the next training day. Yeah, and like uh, and kick, that's where that 80% volume comes in. Yeah, kicking it back, man. That's that's like where a lot of the accountability to be smart was. What I was talking about, like the the one percent better every day that we used to hold each other to was one percent or one kilo. So when we'd right. go for these max effort lifts, like we'd hold each other accountable. Like, hey, man, I know you you're feeling good. Like my lifetime clean PR was around that time as well, and it was. Yep. Hey, let's not go for, I was going for 367 and it was, you know, Dan saying, Hey, 365 look good, whatever. Don't go for 370, go for 367. And that was the right call. And that's where I'm saying the accountability, the 1% better, the one kilo, that's where that comes in, in, in terms of training and everything else. And as a coach, I see that a lot when we, when I program for athletes and let's say they're going for like a, let's say they PR by 10, 15 pounds. Right. And and then they go to put on a what would be a 20 pound PR and they miss it and they get like all depressed or they get like mad themselves. Like Screws my guy, like mindset. you just, you just clean by, or let's say we're working with a clean, you just clean your 
like max PR by 15 pounds. Like that's right. nothing to be like short of. Or on the other spectrum, if it is a dynamic day and we're working that speed strength or strength speed and we're working cleans at 90%, a lot of people, they get mad that they're not at their max or they don't hit their max. And like from a programming perspective, laying out a, let's say a, a eight week cycle, maybe on week five, I don't need you to be anywhere near 110%. But if you're hitting 94% with proper bar speed or feel based off of what you're doing with the metrics you have, that's what we need that day. And I think too many times athletes that I see, they hit like, let's say it's 10 minutes to build to a tough clean. 10 minutes is a long time, but you go 10 minutes and they hit 92%. That's awesome. Cause that means they probably got eight reps or so between 80 to 90% building. Then they hit the 92%. They're still moving with great speed. They still had a high power output. That's a great day of training right there. And I think too many people get hung up on like, I need to max out and get a PR every time. And when it comes to real life, man, like when it comes to real life, I think knowing any given day I can hit 92%, that's huge, right? I'll take 92% any given day. I don't want like home run hitting power, but I can't get on base. Jeremy said something perfect, man. It is like missing lifts, right? And this is another Donnie Thompson thing. Donnie's a great coaching mentor for me over the years, but he says never code failure, right? Mm -hmm. If I miss a lift, that number is forever in my head of, Oh man, I, it's a scary number, right? Yep. And and just like okay, um, I've missed a four four eighty back squat a couple times, right? I have this in my head that man, that that number is gonna bury me when I come to it, right? And if I hadn't missed that, it wouldn't have that training scar. And uh, and so that's another. That I try to teach that to all my guys. You're gonna get those big PRs early on in your first year, two years of training. But then they run out, and, uh, and, and in my opinion, and, and maybe unless you're like gassing up and doing things that are going to give you that next level, um, I, I, I can't hit those numbers like I can. But well, man, if you're if you're being legit with it, that progress isn't linear. But if we code failure, it it's it limits what we can actually do. And then you know you said, hey, well, it's looking at the class half full or half empty, and uh, and, and so we should always look at it half full. I can do that on this day and then I can come back and put in more work and add to to the program. And I think you hit on something that's pretty important. I don't know if we kind of preface this when we texted you or anything, but something as coaches that you have to look at, if there's coaches out there, you have to look at biological age versus training age. You just mentioned something so key of like, I don't know if I'll ever hit that. You're 27 years old. <laughs> and you got <laughs> he's paying respect look at him he's trying, he's trying but let's to... how many years you've been training dan like like pretty hard like 15 years man i've been an athlete i played high school basketball right so i was training yeah i was i was getting my so since i was 14 okay so he's probably been like 15 16 so years 15 of hard 16 years of hard training so as a coach well, what you, know, you i'm 32 32 thanks <laughs> <laughs> he said it uh but anyway let's just go, so let's say 13 years right 13 years of hard training as a coach you need to look at the training age because what that boils down to is your ability to recruit motor units at 13 years you can really recruit some power and strength in the muscle that you have therefore at your peak let's say you were hitting that 480 back squat those PRs, essentially, the more training years you have come further and further apart and the harder you have to build to hit them. You get a new athlete that comes in has never done anything in their life, 
go back squat on Monday, go shovel dirt for seven days, come back, you're going to hit a 10 pound PR. The more and more you get deeper into the training and, and motor unit recruitment, you hit that 480, it's going to take years, if not ever, to like build back up to where maybe 450 is like super happy for you. So you're like, yes, like that is what I've, the most I've hit in three years. And I think too many times coaches neglect the training age and they start to just put them on a Wendler cycle or a, a five, six week squat program. They're like, all right, you're going to PR. It's like, if we did that with Chris, nowhere near because it's just his all time PR so high you'd have to run almost a year of squat build to get even close. And that's where like I'm at as an athlete and a coach is like the trade-off mental versus physical isn't worth it. Like the wear and tear for me to get a lifetime PR at 36 years old is not what I am willing to trade right now in terms of joint tolerance, in terms of spinal mechanics and pain that's associated with that. With a younger athlete, like when we classify a beginner or intermediate athlete, they don't know how to use everything. So they, they can't even turn on everything to go hard, go heavy, and that's where the coach comes in. Or for an advanced athlete like me, every rep above whatever percentage 80%. <laughs> hurts, man. Cause that's, you know, like my back squat on any given day right now is about 425 to 435. Like I've hit that multiple times in the last year. Without any train up, I'm just doing our class programming. If I was to go for a, a lifetime max, like try and go for that 500 that I used to want, like you were talking about chasing that big number, what that would cost me physically, rep for rep, compared to someone else who doesn't have as high of a back squat or whatever, not worth it, man. Right. I, I thought, and, and so with that being said, like, um, man, all those numbers are all relative as it is. And uh, and so sometimes when, when the question change or, or when the when you want a different when you want a different answer, you have to change the questions, right? And so, hey, I've run this conjugate method for so long, and then I finally got sick and tired of being uh, having a bitch bench press, and I was like, <laughs> you know what? I need to I need to change these methods, yep. right? And running mini experiments on yourself, and so I took a, a solid month of I did a I did a Windler cycle for my bench, right? And so added in this essentially repetition method mm-hmm. um, of Hey, I'm gonna focus on this, and I'm gonna give it love, and what you what you water will grow, and it did, and I hit a lifetime PR, and and I, and so just tra- changing the questions that I was answer asking a little bit, it gave me a different answer because I at some point not I had unturned all the right stones, mm-hmm. and I needed to build a different level of strength endurance. I needed to build a different level of positioning. I needed to work on that m- muscle recruitment because I hadn't given a lot of love to that stuff. And did everything? Did other things take a toll? Absolutely, right. And I've I've given I've given other parts of my game for this chasing these numbers. But we're always going to do that because I still I still have days I still want to compete, right? But I'm not I'm not getting paid to compete. I'm competing for fun, and I'm going to compete against Chris Mack and, and every day that I see him. And I'm also going to compete every day that I see my other buddies, right? Because I, I woke up the other day. And I started texting with a buddy of mine, uh, Matt Gross. Do you know Matt Gross, Chris? I know the name. Yeah, okay, I think so. so. His, brother, his brother is a dude named Brandon Gross. They're, they're, their brothers are both controllers. And Matt just retired from the Air Force. And he's off doing his thing, uh, doing a little bit of contracting work. And I hit him up and I was like, 
Um, just seeing where he's seeing where he's at and what he's doing with his life. And this dude's deadly, right? He's like a, a very, very good fighter. Yeah. And uh, and he always has been. He used to whoop my ass, and he knew it too because he was bigger, stronger, faster, and older than I was. He had more experience. And so I, I hit him up, and I'm just kind of getting into this like uh, martial arts game. And I said, "Man, when, when I come back to North Carolina, we're gonna roll, right? We're gonna fight." And then we're, we're going to lift some weights. And so I picked a fight with this dude that I knew could beat me. Right? <laughs> you have to, man. Yeah. And, and, and so that's my competition, right? And that gets me working in the morning of getting up. I'm going to do my push-ups. I'm going to hit the bag. I'm going to build in those those weaknesses because that I don't give a shit about these competitions, right? That's Jeremy's game, and he's going to go crush it and look good in Florida. But, man, I want to I compete against myself, my buddies, and also, like, just get that endorphin rush because that drives me, mm-hmm. right? I need that competition. Yeah, man. And and that's like, you know, to step back a minute, I will tell you like openly and to, to all the listeners, like that's where I got it wrong. Early on as an athlete and a coach, um, my motivation was to win competitions um, instead of focusing on like winning the day, winning, winning that specific thing. Um, so I got my focus off a little bit early on. Um, at the same time, as a tactical athlete, to use that term with, with the stuff we were doing, I was approaching things like there was some way to win. Like there was a tactical athlete Super Bowl, but it's more of an infinite game. And I think that's where as I've matured as both an athlete and a coach, with the with it starts with the person's goals. Like a lot of times, you and I have seen it, Dan, with some of the folks who work, who are paid to coach tactical athletes. And they come from a collegiate strength conditioning background. And that once again, they're very data driven and they're very... Uh, measured in their approach and things, but they're acting like there's some Friday night lights, there's some stats, there's some other way to do it. And when you yeah. want to go throw down with the boys and show off and, and be the stud in the team room and stuff, they don't get it. And more importantly, right. like they don't understand what it means to have street cred amongst the guys in your team room. And not like not like I'm the biggest, baddest dude, but, but when I have out. to go fight with you, when you and I were on target and I look to my left and I see Dan, I'm like, he's got my back. That's a dude I will go anywhere with. There is some validity in that, in the team dynamic. But I got to tell you this, Chris. Can I piggyback on that? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, man, and I I had this this epiphany, right, where I was competing with strongman, right? Yep. And I was trying to be this competitive athlete as I was being a coach. But you, being a couple years ahead of me, Took and, and building your gym because my gym was already built, right? And uh, and East Side was flourishing, and I could lift heavy weights, and I could do this. I, I was the competitor. Mm-hmm. Well, you went from trying to win all these things and, and doing really good at like Olympic weightlifting to building athletes better than you, right? And that's the coach. And to and to put got more guys, specifically girls, on the on the podium, right? And so you've done that now more times than a lot of other guys that I know and built people better than you, right? And that's the true sign of a great coach is taking someone that and built and making them better than you. Yep. And man, I think that whether you have these goals or not, um, if you can make somebody better than you, that, that's achieving a goal, right? I've, I've coached now, I've now coached guys to complete a 200 mile race mm-hmm. in which they, they failed before we, we had a whole training cycle and then they completed it. And I felt like that, that was probably one of my biggest coaching wins is getting those guys to the finish line. Right. And yeah. so as we evolve from athletes to coaches, but we're always, always 
tactical, right? I will forever, if I, just because I'm not operating, just because I'm not on the team anymore and, and fighting for Uncle Sam, I'm still tactical as fuck. Yeah. And I just got in a fight. I got in a fight with a kid yesterday in the parking lot, and man, like, and like, and I crumbled his little body because he got too close to me, yeah. right? I didn't need to be on target for that. I'm my own fucking bodyguard now. Yeah, right? man. And, and you are, of all and people, that's very important to me. Traveling all over the world, high risk. Like it never shuts off. That's for sure. And like once again, back to back I to guys. what's that? Are we still on? Yeah, yep. we're still good, man. We're still good. Yeah. So okay. what you were saying is is absolutely true. Never shuts off, man. Absolutely never shuts off. And that is a lifelong skill set that I know I'll carry with me everywhere. Is the ability to one defend myself, defend my family. The competition yep. piece is there. But, you know, like when we're talking about some of this stuff and you kind of hit it, man, is like when I look at the end of the day, like what's my legacy? What am I going to leave behind on this world? No one's going to give a shit about the weightlifting things that I did, some competition stuff that I did. It's the impact I have on others. And so you nailed it. You knocked it out of the park. That's my legacy. So what what impact can I have on my athletes, can I have on my family, can I have on my friends to make them better? And that'll leave a bigger footprint on on the earth, on these people than I could ever do by winning anything. And so that's that's where I'm at in life. And you talked about it, man. Like some of my biggest coaching achievements have been some of the women. We come from a very male-dominated uh, field in the special operations field. Yeah. But, you know, we've got some of the first women that ever went to ranger school and got their tab. We've got some of the first women that ever passed SFAS. We've got some of these other ones in competition that are doing things that, quite honestly, I don't think I could go toe-to-toe with them on a workout. You know, ever, even in my prime. And so, like, that is encouraging to me. I have got, I've gotten a lot of personal satisfaction being a go-ruck cadre and, and traveling all over the world and meeting random strangers and then challenging them on very difficult tasks. All things that I would do, not necessarily things that I'd want to do, but, man, like, putting out those challenges and then seeing growth through people, tons of yeah. people, and then hearing the stories afterwards of like, man, like you were, you were smoking our bags. We were, we, we were in a little workout session and you're over top of my fat body. And you, all you said was you need to breathe. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with this guy. And that one little coaching cue, right. As, as, as simple as it is, because I take it for granted. Uh, but it stuck, stuck with him. And he, months later, he came and competed, uh, completed another event, had dropped 50 pounds. And he, he told me over beers, he was like, man, like you were there, you don't remember me because I look significantly different now. But it's that impact that you can have on your friends, your community. And I look at that also as like, man, we built a bunch of operators together, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, man. And, and we both built our, each other, right? We've built athletes and operators. And those are the dudes that I'm most proud of. But it's the regular Joes. That you can that come back, and that's why that's why I got you ways is to help people. Uh, and now, man, we've done that, right? And it's and we're going to continue doing that because that's the legacy. Yeah, man. And and I got a, I got the privilege of shadowing Dan on a um, Go Ruck thing and, and seeing some of the guys from a great organization called F Three. Uh, never really got access to them before. Great guys, great people doing a great event. And it was interesting to see that, man. Obviously, I see it in the gym. Um, we see people challenging their their preset mental construct all the time of what they think they can do or can't do, but taking them out there, putting them through things that, that I would think a lot of us guys in the military take for granted. Um, things we used to, to do all the time on a, Hey, this is a Thursday. Um, and then going out and, and putting them through that, man, it was life changing. You're having some of these guys. I specifically remember one guy coming up during one of the transitions of leadership and saying, 
uh, hey man, I am like a, a VP of sales for the entire Southeast of this thing. No one's ever told me how to do proper dissemination of information across an organization. The dude yeah. leads an organization, I don't know how many hundred <laughs> people, and he doesn't know putting out intent, putting out expectations, you know, closed loop communications, all the stuff that we expect. And this dude's leading probably, you know, million dollar corporation uh, sales element. And he's getting taught that through a physical means. And so it was pretty cool to me to see all that stuff. So yeah, definitely uh, uh, eye-opening for me. All right, man. So we were just getting into some some amazing things we've seen, you know, through the GoRuck platform that I got to see with you. Obviously, uh, owning a gym and coaching for years now. Um, my own personal growth. But like, one of the bigger things I get asked from some of our younger coaches, some of our athletes, is like, what would you have done differently when you were my age, when I was Jeremy's age, as both an athlete and a coach? And what am I doing now that's different? Like. I would say one of the biggest mistakes I made early on with, with a lot of stuff that I was doing as an athlete and a coach was confusing uh, training with testing. We talked about that a little bit. And what I mean is I would use a lot of benchmark workouts because they were big at the time as training. And so then I would say, all right, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to a CrossFit event. Well, I better do all the girls right now. Well, for me, my natural speed power profile, like anything sub three to five minutes, that's my jam. Anything pretty heavy and short, that's my jam. A lot of the girls in that realm, I would pick and choose to, to <laughs> you know, cherry pick my stuff. Um, nowadays, I use those in little intermittent doses. And like we were talking about with maxing out my squat, like nowadays with still on my worst day, cranking out a, a sub 230 Fran, the cost in recovery just isn't worth it. And so now like, when I train a lot of my athletes and I'll use the gauntlet athletes that, that Jeremy, cause he's standing right next to me just did. We don't train the gauntlet year round. Like we don't do that day in and day out just to get them up to that. We break it down into biggest limiter. And so all that to say, if there's anything I do now that I didn't do then is I attack my weaknesses, but real weaknesses. Cause sometimes I'm scared of a workout. Like you tell me I'm doing a 2k row. I'm like, oh man, but I probably need to build some bigger aerobic work, a lot more um, longer, slower distance things to build my 2K, not just always doing a 2K. So that's one thing I would do different now. I think for me, it's just kind of understanding that one size doesn't fit all. Like I think too many times when I started, I'm like, cool, this person needs to get stronger. I'm going to run through this, 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 and this. And then in four weeks, they're going to do really well. And I think now as a coach, I've kind of taken a step back and understood the process of things and how it works and then also incorporating kind of the mental game and lifestyle piece to it so that when we look at athletes over a four to eight week period not only am I building strength let's say if we're really focusing on strength in an athlete but having the mental capacity to be able to be confident underneath weights to be able to wake up and feel the three ages right happy horny hungry um, all of that I've taken more into consideration as I've learned as a coach to where it's not just about creating a good workout, right? Like everyone can put up on a whiteboard and create some complicated ass workout. Sometimes simple is sophisticated, right? So the workout's kind of the easy part. Like program design, to me, when I look at program design now, I'm looking at the most simple workout, like a nice, uh, I did one for Marissa the other day. It was like one, two, three, four, 12 minutes, all pretty heavy, very simple 
but it's a smoker, man. But then when you look at focusing on everything else, like how confident did you feel deadlifting 225? How confident did you feel kicking upside down the wall? Afterwards, you're now walking and you're feeling great about yourself, not so much I had you do a thousand wall balls and you're smoked and now like you can't move. Anyone can do that. Man, uh, for me, it would definitely be keeping like the focus of training in mind. And so what I mean by that is why are we in the gym, right? Well, we love exercising, but I always, as an operator, as an athlete, I always train to be better at my job, right? And so the skill based, I've fallen in love now in the last couple of years, in the last year or two years of skills, right? Rock climbing, surfing, picking up, uh, doing like mountaineering um and so you're and those are those are different podiums than the competitive crossfit thing right those are different medals that you're getting than strongman and so keeping keep building your skills and i take martial arts right i've never really been like a martial artist i said i was i was violent right i i i I have a serious bloodlust at times um but man like i never really fought for like skill and it, when CrossFit first started, there it, it was that, right? It was do CrossFit to be better at your sport. Yeah. Do CrossFit to be a better climber. And so, like, I challenge dudes all the time. All right, man, hey, like, you're a fucking friend. It's great. But can you tie a Swiss seat in a figure eight? Can you bowl, Can you tie five knots? Yeah, man. Surf. Huge. What's your balance look like? And so now I'm looking at it in the terms of, like, what are these lifelong skills that I could teach my kids, right? Because I want uh, – you should be able to swim, Right. You should be able to drop everything you're doing and swim a mile if you have to, right? And, then, and, and people don't look at that. And if you're constantly chasing your three position clean, well, man, like that's only going to get so far. But so sports specific skills, um, like, hey, how, how can I get out of a headlock, or how can I get an arm yeah. bar, or what kind? How can I be more dangerous, right? Wall balls will only make you so dangerous. <laughs> well, that's and that's so, huge, man, because you are talking about absolutely something that I've lived and, and dealt with myself in terms of like how well you move is different than what you do with a barbell and everything else. And that transfers to life. And right. so that's why, you know, like one of our four pillars movement is like, what do you do outside the gym too? And that's, that's massive, man, because the best athletes in the world, you pick the sport, are the ones that can move well. The gym is just a tool. But when I look at people who are highly trained but not highly are highly athletic, it's those people. Like, oh yeah, you're strong as hell, but you can't yeah. turn. Like, you can't change directions. You can't change levels. And more importantly, the gym, as much as we love it, it's not reactive. Like, you know what that barbell weighs. When you're fighting somebody, you gotta you gotta adjust off of them. Oh, okay, I'm gonna throw a I'm gonna throw a right hook. Yeah, they're not even standing in front of you anymore. What are you gonna do? So that's absolutely huge, man. And, and, you know, this leads me to one other thing I would change, which is humility and openness with my athletes. Early on, I would try and overcompensate um, through, like, trying to get deep down into the weeds and study, like, all the mechanisms and all these other things. Nowadays, I've kind of come full circle. Like, there's so much we don't know. And a lot of these gurus and other people who are selling you things will act like they have all the answers. And it's a, it's a weird balance for me right now. Like luckily our business is doing well and we have enough athletes who understand this. But early on, like I would cover the things I didn't know with like an overcompensation of, of things. And now like humility and openness with my athletes is saying, hey, we're gonna do this program four to six to 12 weeks, whatever it is. I think it's gonna lead us this direction. 
But how you sleep, how you eat, how you respond to stress, your finances, your emotions, your everything else in life is going to impact that too. Yeah. And if I'm telling you I'm going to put 30 pounds on your squat, if I'm going to make you a better runner, climber, racer, you know, operator, I'm lying to you. That's not a good business model, right? Because everybody's looking for answers. But luckily, we're in a good place with our athletes where we can have that discussion with them and say, hey, like, I want you to be on a podium at a sanctional. I really do. And I think these are the things that we can do to get you there. But in full honesty, like full openness, full disclosure, I can't tell you that. And a lot of them, I think the more mature athletes respect that. I think also from the non-tactical kind of GPP slash competitive sport realm, what I always try and tell my athletes is like, what are you without the gym? Right. And I always try and get them to a point where if you took away the gym, what does that athlete or healthy GPP person look like? Right. We're sleeping well. We're eating healthy foods. We're in tune with our circadian rhythm. We're not staying up till two in the morning, waking up at one in the afternoon. Our water intakes well, like what we're putting into our body matters. And I think once what like one of my main goals when I get new athletes is everyone always thinks like, oh, my program is going to be so difficult and so hard. The program is the, the fun part, but now let's build you a better human overall to where if you took away the gym in something like Corona, well, what are you doing? Well, my habits are still there. My high performance habits are still there. And now I'm walking outside getting sun exposure. I'm drinking water. I'm eating plants like with healthy meats, right? Like, and so we don't get so thrown off from our homeostasis to where it's like, oh, I'm used to just killing myself in the gym and that's what was getting me to be somewhat fit. But now I'm really fit because I have a good program, but now I have healthy habits that support it. That exact thing happened to me actually in 2014. I was following a program that was just too much, right? And it was, and I was doing that like heart rate variability and I was like, hey man, I gotta hit my row and I went at the heart rate of like 140 and I did it wrong, man. And so that, that's a great point is I, I took that time and I didn't invest it into the things that really matter which is like, okay, well, yeah, you can say mobility, nutrition, but like relationships, right? If you're spending an extra day or an extra two hours a day in the gym, something is struggling. And so as athletes ask me, hey, I want more, I want more, I want more. And my, my answer to them is I want you to be disciplined about what you put in your mouth, what you sleep like. Are you, are you, are you giving your old lady to business once a day, right? Are you taking a nap, right? And adding in the variables, adding in the factors that can actually be performance enhancing rather than just doing more work for the sake of exercising again. Right, man. That that needs to be, and I made that mistake, and and that was 2014. uh, And then 2015, Chris and I got to hang out a lot more, and we learned a fuck ton more. And uh, and man, like since then, I I wouldn't make that mistake again. Uh, And it was at my it was at my own detriment of a lot of things. So that's gold. Uh, Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Uh, well, I think we're about there, man. Um, I really appreciate all the time. Obviously, you're you're six hours ahead, living that Moroccan, that Kesh life, um, yeah. loving it. So uh, just just you know, plug your stuff, man. I know you got a couple different programs, projects right now. So just tell us about those real quick, and and we'll obviously share okay, it. So so hashtag EAX Worldwide has kind of spawned into allowing me. Uh, an opportunity to build a new empire, right? And so we basically moved to Morocco uh, with the goal of setting up a, another safe house um, before opening up adventure opportunities for our family, our friends, uh, Americans as it is. And so we're in Mar- Marrakesh, Morocco, 
and uh, build a bunch of different things out with that. Um, started something called the Cash Experience, which is essentially our excursions and fun times, allowing you to have, live the adventure life, the beautiful life, and the chill life. And so this area is like it's like going to Mexico, but but safer, cheaper, cleaner, and uh, better food. And so, man, I, I've had this awesome opportunity out here, and I'm still doing all the same stuff I was. But uh, you know, we're kind of in a weird time out right now with the world. Um, so we're re-gearing that and, and man, planning, doing a lot of planning with it. Uh, but at the same time, man, like building the empire with the business stuff back in North Carolina. Uh, I've got roots right there in, at Bragg. That built my building, Evolution Athletics East. Uh, it's not dead, it, man. I, I had an opportunity to transfer ownership of that of those members and uh, old gym equipment to somebody that wanted to run a program, be an, be a gym owner, and so that is not that that's not dead for me in my life. Uh, but I had the opportunity to capitalize on another uh, another opportunity, and I couldn't miss out on that. Yeah, that man. Being said, that's given me time to build Ruckrap, right? And so Ruckrap, it started off as a uh, you know, little voodoo floss uh, brand that was goal. Our goal was to get one of these latex bands in every single rucksack because there's so much good stuff that you can do with it. Um, compression therapy, mobility, performance-based stuff. So adding in little exercises that can take your game to the next level that builds in that 80% of volume, right? Of the conjugate method. And so uh, now with Ruck Wrap, we've evolved from just like a mobility tool to offering fitness equipment that that has multi uses, right? Something for uh, something for strength building, right? So everything in your ruck needs to have a purpose. I don't want to just carry 45 45 pound plate. I did that one time. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you about the worst free fall jump I ever had. I, th- I threw a, a 45 pound plate and a a sleeping bag in my ruck and oh I god man very well and and so when i hit the air my the sleeping bag went to one side and it put me in a death spin oh you never told me about that i thought you were gonna say it came up and hit you in the face okay yeah no i think dude if it just would have hit me in the face it wouldn't have been that bad i had two back-to-back jumps that i almost scarred me for life <laughs> but the thing was is fuck all that weight in your bag if it's not worth something right and so why are we carrying stuff that isn't operational it's not functional whatever your function is you gotta have some medical gear you gotta have something that can help you go further right you you should have stuff that you can empty or load heavier if you need to and then uh, performance enhancing you know stuff like self-defense right if you're not carrying something on your body all the time you're just irresponsible and so we're building all these tools with ruck wrap uh, to do that both for civilians and operators because man we got we got 500 bands at the special forces schoolhouse and all of their studs now train with them uh in assessment and selection or awaiting training guys as the guys that are injured and recovering and so i had the opportunity to teach that i'll continue the teaching because that at the end of the day in in special on that is what makes you a force multiplier as a coach, right? Because I like I'm coaching, teaching, that's the same shit. And uh, and so I want to do that with people that want to do more fun things with their life. Yeah, man. I, I love it. I mean, like on so many levels, like big macro view, you know, obviously you're, you're growing, expanding the network, you're growing, expanding as a human, and then everything you're doing is multi-purpose, man. Some of the same principles that 
that we wouldn't carry anything on our kit that can't do three things. Like if it was single purpose, if you're a single purpose human, we don't have room for you. Um, and so I love it, man. It's got a lot of good principles. Uh, where can they find you? Where can the people find you? Where can they find out about Rook Rap? Rookrap.com, uh, Facebook, Instagram, we're on it. We're in the age of engagement and, uh, and we're a resource to help anybody that's looking for it. You know, if you're looking for a program, like I, I talk to everybody on there and my, my team, my engagement team talks to everybody as well. If you've got a problem, if you, if you show up with something, we're going to help you find an answer. Hopefully you buy one of our bands and some of our gear. Um, if you don't, whatever, we're going to help you anyways. Yeah. And but man, just like open it up as a resource. And I've, I, I can't tell you how many people I've recommended to, hey, check out Evolution Athletics. Check out these guys. Um, but you can, you, you can only be an option facilitator, right, to, 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 to training programs. But you can be a resource to help people and it not cost you anything. Yeah. And so I, I, I've been loving that. Um, you know, reach out through Evolution Athletics and somebody's going to, you know, if you ask a question, you're going to get an answer. And that's just the kind of dudes that we are. It's not self-serving, uh, but man, it's to help. Yeah, and that's, Dan, continuing to push me to be a better better business owner, better person, man, for, you know, what he's saying is true, guys. If you haven't checked out some of their social media stuff, the man is always answering questions, always giving free content, always helping out with some amazing stuff. And that's one of the things, obviously, I love about you, brother. Um, you're just a great human. Really appreciate everything you've done for me, done for the business and everything, uh, you know, across the board, man. It's it's multiple levels. Um, but we're going to shut it down there today, guys. So please check us out. Obviously, our social media will have all this stuff. We'll put the podcast out there. We'll share it far and wide. Um, but Dan, thanks again, brother. Enjoy the Moroccan life. And uh, for everyone else out there, we'll catch you next time. Remember, as always, get better every day. Thank you.